Today is Friday, January 6, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. The first thing Damar Hamlin asked when he woke up, we'll have that top story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Go ahead and subscribe, leave a rating, share it with a friend, all that good stuff. Let's get through that news of the cray together. Joining me as always to get through it, Billy Hallowell. Trey is uh, off Christmasing, Christmas vacationing still. He'll be back next week. But um, for now, you're stuck with us. What's going on, Billy? I'm just thinking about how depressed he's going to be that Christmas is really over when he comes back. Yeah. You know, so. Well, I don't know when it ends for him. It's like, you know, he is resident Mr. Christmas here, and he probably, you said he kept his tree up till what? July? At least least (laughs) the whole month, I'm assuming. But yeah, yeah, I think Christmas probably ends March 1st for Trey. The last straw for me was when my wife made me stand our Christmas tree when I used to do real trees and then put. Uh, pine cones with peanut butter on them in the yard in hopes that birds would come in them and I just it started getting blown in the wind all around the yard and I was constantly moving it and I said enough that's it we're doing a fake tree I'm not doing this anymore so it's been fake tree for it (laughs) yes but anyway hopefully Trey is surviving this uh, tough time where Christmas is ending uh, for him but we got a lot to get to on the podcast Uh, Billy we've got um, uh, what are you covering what story are you hitting up well, Joe Rogan. Joe yes. Rogan has had a change of heart when it comes to Will Smith. So we'll talk about that. Ah, all right. We'll, we'll dive into that. And also, uh, recession. Is it going to happen or not? John Stolness is breaking that down and how you can prepare for it. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. And doctors gave a press conference yesterday, updated... Uh, the anxious nation on the condition of DeMar Hamlin. People have just been gripped by this, yours truly included. And he's making great progress. That is the good news in the past 24 to 48 hours. And he even began to awaken. He's still unable to speak fully just yet, but he was able to communicate through some head nods and some writing. And one of the first things he wrote was, did we win the game? And doctors replied, yes, DeMar, you won, you won the game of life so they're still cautioning that he's he's still in critical condition they would like to see him to to move him to stable he'll have to be breathing on his own without any help Uh, and he's not quite there yet so continued prayers for that young man there so the suspect in the idaho murder case brian koberger he's accused of killing four students by brutally stabbing them to death made his first court appearance this week more details on the rest report reveal some bizarre details such as one of the surviving roommates saying they heard something overnight they thought sounded like cries and then witnessed a man dressed in black with a mask on and was basically face to face with them in the hallway and they exited but she failed to call 911 until hours later and new documents also show the officials matched dna from trash recovered at the coburger family home in pennsylvania to a tan leather knife sheath found on one of the victims beds those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories more over at cbnnews.com. Uh, Billy, this story, first of all, Hamlin, great news there um, that he's communicating and he seems to be, you know, his neurological you know, uh, faculties appear to be intact, according to the doctors. But this story, the Idaho story, back to this one, this is really, this arrest report is a head scratcher. It really is. 
I went through a good chunk of the arrest report and read a, a bunch of it, and there's a lot there. <clears throat> but the part about coming allegedly face-to-face. Now, this is a police report. It's one person telling another person what they saw and experienced. We don't know. There are gaps of information. I'm sure it looked like parts of it were redacted. But that really, like, alarm bells were going off for me. I I just found it so strange, again, based on what we know, that at 4 in the morning you would come face-to-face with somebody and that the first 911 call, as far as we know, wasn't until 11.58 a.m. Yeah, and, and just to throw one other piece of information out, it seems as though other friends were called before 911 was called on the suspicion that one of the roommates had passed out. So lots of questions there. Yeah, a lot of questions, because if they were stabbed, you would imagine there was a lot of blood. And so you you would think that even if it was at, you know, before then, before 11, maybe they saw him at 10. I don't know what time they got up, but you would think it wouldn't just look like someone passed out, that they would look like they have been brutally murdered. Um, But perhaps that wasn't the case. I mean, I obviously, none of us were there. There's no photos of the crime scene, anything like that out there. So still a lot of information we don't know. And you don't want to judge somebody. I mean, these are college kids. There's a high probability they were partying or drinking and judgment clouded and they weren't you know, in the college setting, people are coming and going all the time from houses. So, I mean, obviously, someone in a mask dressed in black is unusual, um, but it's not like a normal house where you, you know, where you're living with your family and someone shows up. Like in college, people are coming and going all the time. That's just the way it is, especially at a house that might be a party house. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know. That's that's what they were doing. I'm just speculating at this point, like everyone else is. But nevertheless, the details are very strange. Well, the other thing for me, and this isn't so much about the two surviving roommates, right? Because I I agree with you. We have to be very careful with that information because we don't know. But for the killer, he left something behind, it sounds like. You know, the, the, the alleged killer left something behind. Yeah. But beyond that, the other piece of the puzzle that's really strange is that you would come face to face with another survivor. If, if you've just killed four people and you're walking out and somebody's seen you, I mean, thank thank God he didn't go back and kill that other person. Right, but, but but it is a strange detail to me that you would just walk out of the go. house. Like, why would you let them go? I mean, it's yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, you see it all the time in the movies. You know, somebody kills someone and there's a witness. You know, what happens to that witness? Well, I cannot be tied to this scene, and they usually end up getting yeah. killed as well. So yeah, praise God they did it's not. not. Um, yeah, but it is case. it is very bizarre, and hopefully. Hopefully, justice is served. I guess we'll know for sure after this court trial, and we'll see how that proceeds. We'll certainly keep you up to date on that here and uh, over at uh, CBN and FaithWire.com. So we're going to head into that next story now. And, Bill, you had mentioned it. Will Smith, um, of course, that famous slap, just a bizarre incident at the Oscars. And Joe Rogan was one of the prominent voices who was basically canceling Will Smith and saying, we're, we're done with him. But what's he saying now? Yeah, so it's interesting. He's had a change of heart, it seems now, when it comes to Will Smith. And he was on a recent episode of the show late last month talking with an actor, um, John Bernthal. And they were going back and forth talking about Will Smith. And You know, Rogan struck a very different chord than he did in the beginning last year. He said that uh, Will Smith is a human being that has to be forgiven. 
uh, which is really interesting. He said, you know, now thinking about it, I'm like, that guy has to be forgiven. Like he clearly has deep remorse for what he's done. He's also clearly living in a world where he was given nothing but adulation and praise for most of his life. And then all of a sudden he has this one in many people's eyes, unforgivable moment where he does something just so stupid. And so he's forgiving him. Essentially. He wants everyone to. Yeah. That's very interesting because I'll just throw in here while we're talking, you think about Christianity and Christ and forgiveness and it's unconditional. And you hear some of the things Joe Rogan saying, and while it's good and positive that he wants to forgive, you can see sort of basing it on his actions and that is a difference in Christianity that, you know, we're supposed to forgive regardless of how well or not well someone's might might be behaving. But why do you think this is a notable shift for Joe Rogan? Yeah, I think it's I think it's notable because, you know, the fact he's talking about him being, you know, a human being. And so Joe Rogan, as far as we know, is not a, a Christian. Right. Um, but but he's out there talking about forgiveness in this really unique way. And I agree with you. He is making it about, oh, well, look, he's showing remorse. But scripture tells us you got to feed your enemy, clothe your enemy, love your enemy. The person yeah. who hates you, you have to love. Um, so he's not coming at it from that a Christian perspective. But I think when somebody has come on the record so publicly and openly about not forgiving somebody or about basically saying this person should be canceled because what they did was so horrible and they've, and they've had sort of a change of heart. I think that's a notable thing. I think we should actually highlight those moments because it shows that anybody can be forgiven. We can, we can look at something, the most horrible thing and we could say, you know what, that person made a mistake. We've had time to reflect on it. And I think that's what Joe Rogan is doing here. He's reflected and he feels differently now looking back on it. Yeah. How do you think Christians should be reacting to all this? Well, I think a lot of people, everybody, right, Christian, non-Christian, had a really strong reaction to what happened at the Oscars last year. As Christians, as believers, you know, we've all been given second chances. We we do need to give people a second chance. I think people questioned in the beginning. And again, it doesn't really matter from a Christian perspective whether or not Will Smith is sorry for what he did, right? It doesn't matter in terms of, you know, the willingness to forgive, but I think he he has shown a number of times now he has said he's he's sorry. I can't imagine, even if it's because he lost so much that it forced him to realize it was wrong, there were there was a catalyst there that I think brought him to a place of brokenness that we've seen in interviews that he's openly talked about. So as Christians, I think you know we, we got to give people a second chance. You don't forget what happened, um, but you, you got to move forward, I think, in, in some form. Well, and I think one of the things we're seeing in society today is that grace is an ingredient that's just not thrown into the recipe at all when it comes to how we're acting in culture, by and large. It is just mob going after a pound of flesh everywhere you look. They're looking for someone to cancel. And that is just a terrible way to live in general. Uh, And it's not really who we are, and it certainly should not be who we are as Christians. Well, and I think we even saw in that interview that Will Smith did with Trevor Noah where he was talking about, you know, it was a horrific night. He was reflecting back on it, talking about he was going through things that and he and he actually made the point to say, you know, I understand how shocking it was. I'm not making an excuse for it. I'm saying this is where I was. There was something wrong. 
everything came to a head. My rage came to a head and it came out in that way. Uh, but the other part that was really um, interesting about Rogan's comments, just to sort of throw this in there, he talked about whether or not Chris Rock should apologize, right? Yeah. Um, and he said, you know, that's really up to Chris. He hadn't talked to Chris about it, um, but that that was something that he had to make a decision on. And I, and I thought that was that was interesting, too, because we haven't really heard a lot from Chris Rock on this. No, you haven't. I mean, he's made a few jokes about it here and there at some some appearances that he's done. Uh, but uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it is. I mean, that is as a Christian. I mean, he's not a Christian that I know of, Chris Rock. But as Christians, if we find ourselves in similar situations, not the Oscars, but maybe maybe somebody hits you at a party. I don't know. Um, you have to. That's where the rubber meets the road. You have to be able to forgive when it's difficult. And I mean, the Bible says, what credit is it to us to always be nice to the people that are nice to us and the ones we like? You know, you got to, like you said, your enemies, those who are difficult to deal with. That is where God sees the value in us extending um, godly you know, values and um, things that he wants us to do. Yeah. And, you know, this shows you that one moment can change everything. One bad decision yeah. really can change everything. I think this wasn't just like a pop culture moment. It created a lot of conversations about everything. Here we are talking about forgiveness, right? So um, I think I think it's cool to see Rogan seeing the value of forgiveness. I think as believers, we need to help non-believers understand forgiveness better. And so it's good to talk about it when we hear somebody say this, like, hey, it actually doesn't depend on whether he's sorry or not, you know, like helping kind of guide them along. But it's a good starting point to see him talk about it in this way. Absolutely. All right, Billy, thanks so much for uh, bringing that story to us. And we're going to head over to the main thing now. And the economy is not out of the woods yet. I mean, we've kind of it's lost the front page of the headlines lately. But there are still chances of a recession in 2023. Well, CBN's John Stolness talked with senior economic analyst for Bankrate.com, Mark Hamrick on what are the chances that we hit a recession in 2023 and how can Americans prepare for it? That's today's main thing. So, Mark, we are obviously coming off a 2022 that uh, featured inflation that was crippling to a lot of Americans. Uh, the general sense I think most Americans have is that the economy is is struggling right now. I know um, we're going to talk about uh, employment and jobs numbers here coming up in, in just a few minutes as far as looking ahead to 2023. But there, the concern right now is a recession, a recession here in the U.S., what it could look like, what it might mean. As you get your crystal ball out here, Mark, and you're taking a look at these uh, these next 12 months or so, understanding that things can change as we go along, what are you seeing right now in terms of a, a, a recession here in the U.S. and looking outside our borders as well? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, obviously, these are all key questions, and uh, Americans and really people all around the world have been through quite a lot uh, going back to the beginning of the pandemic in at least in terms of our country and our awareness of that in early 2020 and 22 million jobs lost in March and April of that year and then a recovery that began to take hold and uh, slowly but surely we clawed back all of those jobs and in the midst of all that as you referenced uh, correctly uh, we've suffered uh, high and sustained inflation the likes of which uh, has not been seen since 40 years previous and Obviously, the question of whether we experience a recession is an important one, but I would dare say that the experience of high and sustained inflation is every bit, if not more, damaging to individuals and to households 
than a mild recession would be. And we don't know what the next recession will look like exactly. But if you think about the fact that even at its worst, with the nation's unemployment rate officially measured at close to 15% in those early days of the pandemic, the workforce, the majority of that workforce was still largely intact. Obviously, everybody was going through all kinds of changes that uh, were either um, decided upon or forced by the pandemic. But inflation is inescapable. Uh, it is only that uh, certain individuals or um, wealthier households are able to mitigate it more than others. Um, and uh, that is why the Federal Reserve has been so very much focused on the need to get inflation uh, sort of back in its cage. And, and I believe that we are in the process of seeing that happen. But, you know, briefly, uh, where I haven't perhaps been so succinct up to this moment, I would say people should be on alert for a recession in 2023, a rising unemployment rate, uh, fewer jobs being added, and with any luck, uh, a lower rate of inflation. I think you mentioned something interesting there, and that's talking about a, a mild recession. C can you talk a little bit about the difference between what a mild recession would look like and a more severe recession would look like? I, I, I imagine something like what we saw during the, the housing crisis of 2008 and 2009. Well, uh, the last two recessions that we've had in this country were quite severe. It's only that the last one in 2020 was short, uh, but sharp. And, you know, we talked about the damage that that caused. And, and many people, I'm sure, still have either personal experience or a strong memory of that. Uh, the one that uh, culminated in an unemployment rate of 10% in October of 2009 was the result of a housing market collapse, the near collapse of the U.S. financial system. And many people can remember uh, the failure of a number of financial institutions. And so uh, those were unlike really anything that we've experienced, certainly in our lives and really in the sense of their individual sort of characteristics, anything in our country's history. Uh, this next recession, if it occurs in 2023, as many expect, will largely be, uh, to use a non-gender neutral term, man-made. And that means that it will be the result of the Federal Reserve having hiked interest rates at an unprecedentedly uh, aggressive uh, level in 2022. Uh, but we know what uh, that is in the cause of, and that is to uh, slay the inflation monster. But in so doing, it's a little like uh, very strong uh, or even potentially toxic medicine. Uh, there is some um, uh, collateral damage that occurs with that. And among the damage that has already been seen is a continued slide in the housing market after having been unsustainably strong during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, we've seen the stock market in a bear phase uh, still seems to be in that. Um, and uh, we've seen other things uh, negatively affected. Some might have said uh, it, it was predictable in the, in the crash of the crypto market. Uh, those are just a few examples of some significant events and occurrences that have resulted from the Fed's uh, attention to high inflation. The job market has been exceedingly uh, beneficial to job seekers. Uh, they, they're 
there are more workers out there than job openings available. Unemployment, the rate has been at historic lows for, for some time now. Uh, undoubtedly, in a recession, and, and what we would likely see as the Fed continues to, to raise rates is for that unemployment number to go up here in 2023. Do you have some idea where what kind of numbers we could be looking at and, and what that would mean for, for the job market? Well, I think, first of all, it's noteworthy sort of, you know, you don't know where you're going unless you know where you're coming from, as the saying goes. And, and with the unemployment rate coming off of a 3.5% level, uh, that probably means that uh, that 10% destination, as we mentioned in 2009, is is highly unlikely uh, to be seen, at least in, in this next phase. Um, there may be millions of jobs lost, uh, and each and every one of those is, uh, you know, very detrimental to the individuals and households involved. And, and so even when you have, you know, one person who becomes unemployed, uh, you don't want to be dismissive or derisive about those impacts. But when we're talking about the totality of the performance of the U.S. economy, it may well be, you know, less severe than what, we, what we've experienced in the past. And that also is significant. Um, the other part is that uh, in speaking about this sort of man-made aspect of a recession, it doesn't require uh, it doesn't require a lot for the Federal Reserve to then pivot again, uh, having caused the recession to try to rescue it out of that. And you know, as one who attends the Federal Reserve news conferences and uh, is very much uh, dialed into the commentary of Federal Reserve officials, at the moment uh, they are walking the walk and talking the talk about the fact that they're going to not only continue to raise interest rates, but as they would put it, keep rates higher for longer. Part of the reason they do that is to signal what they would call forward guidance to financial markets and really the rest of the economy, because as Chairman Powell himself has said recently, um, the way the economy performs now is different than it was in the past, where essentially the conditions in the economy uh, respond not only to the actual level of interest rates, but to the direction that the central bank provides as to the, you know, the future of interest rates. And so they are talking as if they're going to maintain this sort of tighter monetary policy condition. When those of us who've paid a lot of attention to this over the years are quite mindful of the fact that that could absolutely change where they decide that those conditions are no longer warranted and they want to actually put their foot back on the gas to help the economy. So I think the best thing to take away from this for in terms of listeners is to be mindful that there is a risk of recession that suggests that we should try to save for retirement, save for emergencies, pay down debt, keep our job contacts network if we're a worker or in the, in the um, workforce, keep those contacts active in case we need them. Uh, and also be mindful of the fact that, hey, we've experienced a high degree of uncertainty going back to the early days of 2020. And, and we're probably going to be experiencing that for some time to come. And that means, you know, be flexible, uh, have some degree of agility and, and don't be beholden to assumptions uh, that could very much change uh, in a short amount of time. Well, it is sure to be a year filled with a little bit of uh, maybe some nervousness as, as the Fed certainly uh, wants to fight inflation without sending us into a recession. Of course, it may not be possible to avoid that. But as we try to navigate the twists and turns of uh, what is always a very complicated subject here, the economy here in 2023, make sure you're uh, checking out everything Mark Hamrick is doing over at Bankrate.com. Uh, check out Bankrate.com and see uh, all of his work there. And you can see him on CBN's 
Faith Nation uh, occasionally when he comes on as a guest for CBN News there. Mark, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate you and and the work that your team uh, does. It's uh, great to be part of it. Thanks again. All right. Thanks for that conversation there, John. And that leaves us with time for one last thing. So we've got Proverbs 4, 18 and 19. And I just, I love this, these verses. It says, the path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the path of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. And that last line gets me because a lot of us are trying to make sense of the craziness of the world right now. Like, how did we get here? What's going on? And you want a pattern of understanding, but there really is a spiritual blindness. They do not yeah. know what makes them stumble. That just it like stands out to me. It sure does. And it really makes you think that uh, it, it helps you too when you're thinking about, I don't know, on social media or in person, maybe family members who you disagree with. You know, yeah, say your piece on what you think the truth of scripture is, but then just let it be from there because people so much want to win people over. And to your point, in that scripture, we see so often that people's eyes are just blinded. You got to just pray for them that the word marinates on their hearts, that God opens their eyes and brings them to repentance because there's really no, no other way, no magic words that we can say that's going to make it happen. So, yeah, so true. Absolutely. absolutely. All right. Okay. Well, that's a great place to leave it here on this Friday. I hope you had a fantastic week. And hope you enjoy the rest of your Friday and have a great weekend, Lord willing, in that creek don't rise. We will be back here on Monday with more. Trey should be back as well. The triumvirate all back in effect on Monday, Lord willing. So God bless. Have a fantastic weekend. We'll see you then.